Again, good morning. Uh, We're glad that you're here today. We're finishing up a series in the book of Jonah. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to Jonah chapter 4. If you don't have a copy of God's Word and would like one back at our Grab a Bible table, we have some copies of the Bible that uh, you can use today. Or if you don't have one, you can take that and make it your own, put your name in it, take some notes in there, and uh, let that be a gift from us to you today. This has been a great series. I know it's been kind of short. Jonah's only four chapters. Uh, We made it through three, I think, in four weeks. And then today we're going to finish it off here, Jonah chapter four. And we've been looking at God's relentless love. If you've ever have felt unloved, maybe by the world, it's nice to know that you have a God who loves you. If you've ever been one of those rebellious sons of God, daughters of God, uh, a wayward soul. It's nice to know that God loves you enough to chase you down. Uh, If you've been called to do ministry before and and said no to God, we've seen God's graciousness in Jonah's life and to the people, uh, the the people of Nineveh. Uh, Yeah. And and, and it's just been a a really good insight to God's heart um, going through this, this book, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed preaching it. I'm going to read through the entire chapter first. It's just 11 verses, but it'll kind of give us some some flow uh, as we look at at this and see what God is speaking to us today. So you can follow along up here on the the screen, or if you have your Bible, Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. And I'm just going to pause real quick right there. We are going to go back and look what this is that displeased Jonah. So if you're, uh, if you missed last week, or if you haven't been here before, we'll, we'll get, we'll get back into that and talk about that. Verse two. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out from the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he, could, or, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah so that he might have shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun to beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, 
that great city in which there were more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. And that's the way the story ends. Uh, It's kind of abrupt. We've been talking about what a great storyteller this author of Jonah was, and yet it it ends in in a fashion that is kind of abrupt. Uh, and, and so as we look at the reluctant prophet, we've seen him this entire book, the discouraged prophet, the depressed prophet, the rebellious prophet. This week, I think that we will see a pouting prophet, a hateful prophet, the judgmental prophet, the melodramatic prophet, the selfish prophet. The story of Jonah is, is really, it's in the Bible, I believe, to make us look at it and read it and shake our heads. But if we're honest with ourselves, we might just have more in common with Jonah than we would like to admit. I know that was the case for me as I studied this these last five weeks. What made Jonah angry? Verse one there says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry so Jonah was ticked off at God and and if we we just have to look back to uh, chapter 3 verse 10 of last week and it tells us why Jonah was upset chapter 3 verse 10 says when God saw what they did which was the Ninevites and it was their repentance their turning from their evil ways Uh, It says there how they turned from their evil ways. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So literally what we're seeing here is God having mercy and showing his grace upon the people of Nineveh because they changed their ways. Uh, That was evil to Jonah. It was a great evil. the, The author uses these words so that we understand that Jonah was upset about this. God's mercy on the Ninevites, on this great city, on this land, was disgusting to Jonah. They they use the word there, displeased Jonah. God turned away from his anger, and Jonah became angry, right? So God turns from his anger and it really reveals this juxtaposition between God and Jonah. Jonah saw God's grace and mercy in sparing the Ninevites after their repentance and their willingness to turn from their evil ways. Thereby we really see the, the revelation of God's heart for you and for me. God loves us and he loves us enough that he desires us to change and and walk away from the rebellious people that we were before we met him. But he also loves us enough, like Jonah, uh, one of his children, to to even love us through our rebellion. So if you've placed your faith in Christ, maybe you did it as a child and you've been walking with the Lord. If there have been seasons in your life where you've been rebellious, where you've been sinful, God is still there walking with you, desiring from you to turn and come back to him. He never leaves you. He's right there. Jonah saw God's grace and mercy in sparing the Ninevites as evil. The same word that the author used to describe the Ninevites and their treatment of their enemies and the way that they lived 
But really, that revealed Jonah's heart and what is potentially in the heart of each one of you and I, if we're honest with ourselves, evil. Anything apart from what we get from God, from Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us and the growth that we can find through reading God's word, meditating on it, and changing our rebellious ways, we see that there is evil. And then finally, the motive behind Jonah's running is revealed by the author here in verse 2. It wasn't talked about in chapter 1. We didn't know this part of the story, but it comes out here at the end. Uh, He says, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? Jonah is bringing up this conversation that he had with God. God calls Jonah. Jonah says, I'm not doing that. And he runs the opposite way. We know the story. We know what's happened getting to that point. But here the author identifies a conversation that happened between Jonah and God when God called him. He says he prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, is it not or what, or what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to Tarshish. So Jonah's trying to say, I knew you were going to be gracious. I knew you were going to show mercy. I knew if they repented, you would relent. And so that's why I ran the other way. God called Jonah to get up and go. If you were here that first week, we talked about that's the same call that you and I have on our lives to get up and go. And we talked about Matthew 28 before Jesus ascended back into heaven. He said, I'm calling you to go therefore into all the world and and preach the gospel to all nations, right? And we talked about how even if we are here and this is our place and this is where we're going to live and we're not necessarily going overseas, that that call is still on our lives. We are called to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are around us, to those who are perishing. And that's what God had called Jonah to do here, to go up there and warn them about their sin, their rebellion, their evil heart, and call them to repentance, which is to turn from their old way. But here it says Jonah knew that God would deliver the Ninevites if they repented, and he did not like that at all. We liken the Ninevites in some ways uh, uh, to, to um, those who would persecute uh, Christians, um, those who would persecute someone just solely based on their religion. And if God came to you today and said, I want you to go and talk to this people group and tell them about me, that was the same fear that Jonah had. And yet here we get a, just a slightly different glimpse that the, the wayward prophet, even before he ran, knew that God's mercy and grace could and probably would prevail, that the people would repent and they would be saved. He quotes a familiar Old Testament description here or, or formulation of God. Do you see that there? A, a gracious God and, and merciful says there he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that's a great description of our Heavenly Father. And, and, and a lot of times when that's brought up in other places in Scripture, it's being done in a worshipful way. The, the author or the person who's penning this is, is using that to describe God and say how incredible is our God. And yet Jonah here, he's angry because of it. <laughs> 
He's spiteful because of it. The evilness, the the hardness of heart is showing through. The rawness of this tension of a gracious God towards their mortal enemies. This is an enemy that had brought a lot of destruction upon Israel, the children of Israel. And yet God was gracious to them. And that really bothered Jonah. Jonah knew God well enough to know that that this mercy uh, that he would show would come. And and Jonah hated that so much that we remember uh, that he refused to go. That first week when he was called, he went the opposite direction. He bought a ticket. He hopped on a boat. And he took off the opposite way. You want me to go here to Nineveh? I'm going this way. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to head towards Joppa, way out to sea. The prophet of God ran. Jonah uh, was happy, though, to accept God's salvation through the fish that saved his life. Remember that in chapter 3? But he hates seeing God extend that same salvation to Nineveh. A glimpse into the heart of Jonah that if we're honest with ourselves, should make us a little bit uneasy. Because we can be just like Jonah if we're not careful. Jonah allowed his hate to get to the point where where it took him to utter despair. And look where it goes on in verse 3. It says, this is how far it had gone for Jonah. His prayer to God here is for death. That was his prayer. Now, this isn't the first time that that Jonah's given up, even in this story. Remember on the boat, he told the the, the sailors, throw me overboard. It's better that I die. You guys might be able to survive. There's a lot of despair in this story. He doesn't just despise, though, the Ninevites. Here, if we're honest with ourselves, we see that he's ticked off. He's despising his own life, and he despises God. So I love, I love, I remember back when I was a kid at, at Central Baptist Church in Tacoma, I remember the flannel graphs, and, and the, the, the teachers would be in there, and they would have the flannel graph story. And, and the way they told the story, you know, it just wasn't quite the same. It didn't have all the details and there was a big fish and there was a Jonah and the Jonah would stick to the big fish, right? And then the big fish would be, you know, would throw him up onto the shore and, and everything ended well. And yet here we see, if we're honest with ourselves and we look at the words here in scripture and believe the truth of this, that this prophet had a tough time seeing grace extended to the Ninevites, But look at God's heart for his wayward prophet, his wayward son. I love that God doesn't even acknowledge this ridiculous request of death. He says, uh, God's response is so good here. It says, do you do well to be angry? Right? I mean, other ways you could say this is, what right do you have, Jonah, to be angry? So uh, anger, huh? How's that working out for you? Does your anger, Jonah, really satisfy you the way you thought that it would? God rebukes Jonah for the way that he is feeling, for the the feelings he has in his heart. 
The author decides in a flashback to the previous scene to really complete this book, to, to end this story. His goal is to illustrate how ridiculous Jonah's attitude was and to warn us that we tend to be just like Jonah. Picking up here in verse 5, this is chronologically right after leaving the city. He had just preached. He had gone into the city. Uh, It says he was about a day's journey into the city that that it says it would be about a three days journey if if he wanted to hit all the the major places and have the majority of the people hear the message. About a day into it, people start repenting. Right away, the the news gets to the king and the, the king responds in the same way. So he had just preached. The the whole city responded in this amazing show of repentance. And yet we see here from this story, if we read the words that are there, Jonah still hoped that the city would be destroyed. He finds a place with a good view, right? He hopes to see some death, some destruction, some mayhem. Reminded me a little bit of a, of a Friday night movie night at the Miller house, right? There's six of us and we have a little sofa and a little love seat. And so we're fighting to get the good seat, right? To watch the movie because somebody's going to end up on the ground or in a hard kitchen chair, right? Pulled into that room. Jonah here is like, I'm going to find the best place to watch the destruction of the city. Even after seeing the repentance, Because God didn't say, if they repent, for sure this will happen. So he's still hoping in this weird way. He goes and makes a a booth, a shelter for himself. Right? We don't know how long it was going to be. Because God had given him until day 40. Right? And, And if this really happened in the first two, three, four, five days, full repentance. So Jonah knew that he might be there for a while. But he builds himself a tent or a booth of some sort to see what should happen to the city. And yet we see here in verse six that God appointed a plant to grow up overnight. God sees his wayward prophet. He sees his wayward son. And he says, I'm going to teach Jonah a lesson. I'm not going to leave him there in his depression and his despair and his discouragement and his anger and his hatred And the evil of the heart that is coming out in all of these emotions. So he sends a plant to shade him. So it appears that Jonah wasn't even very good at building this booth. Or that there wasn't very much raw material maybe. Right? And so God says, I can teach Jonah something through this. I'm going to have this plant come up. And for the first time in the book, Jonah is happy. Here we are at the end of chapter 4, or the middle of chapter 4, getting to the end of the story, and it says that he is exceedingly glad. Now think about this story. Jonah had many other opportunities to be exceedingly glad. Jonah could have been exceedingly glad in verse 2 of chapter 1, after God had called him to go and share the good news with the Ninevites. Jonah could have said, wow, this is really not what I was planning on doing, God, but I trust you, right? You're going to bring me through this. You're going to teach me something, or we're going to see an incredible revival, this repentance that you're talking about. I could have been glad right there. We could have seen Jonah be glad when, uh, even if he had rebelled there at the beginning and ran the opposite way, how about when he was spit up by the fish? I've got a second chance. 
I serve a God who gives us second chances. I'm going to be exceedingly glad. Now I'm going to go to Nineveh because I know that if God could save me from the deep sea through this miracle, almost too good to be true, swallowed up by a fish for three days, and now puked upon the shore, I'm going to be exceedingly glad, and I'm going to go to Nineveh. But that's not how he responded either. The third opportunity, which is obvious, where we could have seen Jonah be exceedingly happy, was when he preached the good news. When he preached repentance, and the Ninevites took that good news, and they repented. Jonah could have said, yes, this is what I was called for, and it took me a while to get here, but God, now I am seeing this. And yet instead, he responds to their repentance to their changing of their ways, he responds in a pathetic way. The evil in his heart, the hatred towards the people still comes out. And so he goes to watch the city be destroyed. But then God steps in. He, he plants, this, he causes this plant to grow up and, and Jonah is exceedingly happy. He has this shade from the sun and, and, and that's a good thing. But now God is using this situation as a, an object lesson for Jonah. We read through that, but we're going to get here and we're going to dissect it a little bit more. But really, it's an object lesson for you and I also. And so my challenge here in these last few minutes as we're together looking at this passage is that you allow Holy Spirit to work in your heart too, as he did in mine this week. God in his sovereignty here again appoints a worm to come up during the, the evening it appears to be or that night and destroy the plant that was making Jonah so happy. The trials in our life that you and I might be going through right now, often that's God's way of refining us. So no matter what that is, whether it's a, a spouse who's deployed, whether it's a job opportunity, that you didn't get, even though you felt you deserved it, whether it's a loss of a family member or a loved one, a close friend, whatever the trial might be, it doesn't matter how big or how small it is, what matters is if we give God the opportunity to refine who we are, to grow us, to become the women and the men that God has called us to be. And so here we see this worm and it comes and it destroys the plant, right? The thing that made Jonah happy finally, right? Then he, he appoints something else. So we see these, these appointments coming and going, right? We saw God appointed a fish to swallow up Jonah. God appointed a plant to be grown. God appointed a worm, Right to come and take care of the plan. And then he, he appoints a scorching wind from the east. Now this is it's not an ordinary heat. Uh, it appears that it's not even an ordinary wind. This was severe. Jonah was physically miserable. So much so that he wanted to die. Again, not the first time that Jonah has expressed his dissatisfaction with God through a willingness to die, take me out of this situation, right? And I don't know, maybe there's some of you that are sitting out there that have been in situations that are so difficult in your life, 
and seem to have no way out or no light at the end of tunnel that you have said those same words. It would be better off if I were dead. He asks God to take his life. And God's response here, he says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Again, God ignoring the request of death. God wanting to bring his wayward son towards health, towards uh, the calling that was on his life, towards the intended results of this. God here says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? God has the right to deliver you and I from any trial or test that we might come upon, any temptation that might fall into our life. No matter what season you are in right now, how good or how bad it is, God is in control. And if it's bad, he can deliver you at any moment. But he also might allow you to stay there for a while because he's trying to refine you. He's trying to grow you. He's trying to build you up. But it's his call as to when he comes. He is God. Jonah is not. Mark Miller is not. You are not. Jonah here is in full tantrum mode. Again, remembering this heat and this severe wind and and he was already ticked off. He was already upset with God. So he just blurts out to God when God asks this question. Yeah, I, I do do well. I have a reason for this. I am angry enough to die. And then God gives the zinger, right? This is what the lesson was for Jonah. This is what the lesson is for you and for I. You pity a plant because it did something for you. You're upset that this plant died, right? That a worm came up and ate the plant. Now you're a little hot. Right? You're being bothered, you're frustrated, you're ticked off. But you don't pity people, Jonah. You don't pity people. Wow. Jonah cared more about himself, his thing, than the plight of an entire nation. This was convicting for me this week. As I'm looking at this, as I'm looking at my life, as I'm looking where I share my time, my talents, my treasures, as a Christian, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, as a friend. Jonah doesn't even care about the cattle here. You see that? And God's like, they're more important than the plant. Jonah ends as quickly as it began, and it ends with us seeing the folly of Jonah. And honestly, that is the point. The author wrote this so that we would recoil at this story. That we would want to distance ourselves from him and say, no, 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 I would never act that way. I wouldn't respond that way. That's not the way I would do it. He had an awful attitude, right? It's, It's sad. It's pitiful. I would never be like that. So as we finish this book, we got to say, how can we apply everything that was in this book to me? We've, We've heard about God's relentless love. 
And week after week, we've talked about that, and that's been an encouragement to me, and I hope it has been to you also, that God chases us down. He gives us second chances, even though we're not guaranteed that second chance, and he loves us enough to continue to come after us. But how can we apply this to our lives? Well, we see a couple of things here. One, we see that Jonah didn't understand God's deliverance. He, even though he was a prophet of God, he didn't understand God's deliverance. And God, uh, Jonah also didn't understand God's destruction or God's discipline. So deliverance and discipline. Jonah despised God's deliverance of the Ninevites. There's no two ways around it. We can't end the story like the flannel graph, Right? Uh, one of my good friends, uh, his son's name is Jonah, and his son Jonah is an incredible kid, right? This, this story shouldn't scare us away from the name of Jonah because, again, this name could have been any name. It could have been yours. It could have been mine. And here we see a man called by God despise what God wanted to do. He despised God's deliverance for the Ninevites. Now our heart matching God's heart means that we need to celebrate the deliverance of anyone. Jonah was fine with God as a deliverer of Israel. He had experienced God's deliverance personally in this story even. In verse 2, he acknowledged God's mercy and his grace So with his words, he knew who God was, but his heart didn't feel the same. God designed that mercy and that grace that had been shown to the children of Israel, that had been shown to Jonah, uh, to be for anyone who calls on his name. Am I personally sometimes guilty of trying to withhold God's deliverance? I think sometimes we can do this actively, saying that someone is unworthy of God's grace and mercy. Well, no doubt we all, at some point, were unworthy, right? We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but who are we? Who am I to make a judgment on that? To say that person over there, they'll never turn, they'll never change their life, they're too bad. Even more uh, insidious is is when we do this passively. We despise God's deliverance by our our, our inaction. When we just don't do anything. When we fail to extend grace and, and mercy, we show what we think of it. You and I have called to be people full of grace and mercy towards those we interact with. When we fail to do that, we show what's going on in our heart. Much like this book here, we see what's going on in Jonah's heart, his mind, what he really believed. He was a prophet, but was he a prophet only willing to bring the the word to his people? We don't know the full uh, story of Jonah, but we know in this situation... He did not have a heart for people. 
The focus that Jonah had on himself, we see through this story, uh, mostly um, it's just kind of out there as we look to the story, but then at the end with this plant, right? And, And that misplaced focus on myself rather than on God and his heart of compassion because that heart of compassion that God has, that he wants us to catch it, it demands action. So when we live our lives passively, I think we're living in opposition to what God has called us to do. The other thing we see is Jonah did not understand God's discipline or his destruction. Jonah also despised God's destruction of the plant. He got really upset about that. God destroyed the plant in order to discipline Jonah and to get his attention. But rather than hearing what God was saying to him, Jonah threw in the towel and he wanted to die. He didn't want to change his perspective. He didn't want to learn anything and change his heart. He didn't want to grow Jonah was in a place where even as a prophet of God, he was hard. He had hardened his heart towards the discipline of the Lord. The discipline of the Lord should come upon you or I or Jonah in this story and should cause us to snap to attention and to change, to desire to be more like God. But Jonah here was stubborn. He was hard-hearted. He refused to learn. And this was the kind of stubbornness that can get us into serious trouble. Twisted priorities in Jonah's mind. He wanted God to care for the plant that he had created to shade him from the heat while he sat there and watched for the destruction of Nineveh. That's what Jonah wanted. And yet what God wanted was a people to repent and to change their ways. And Jonah's heart didn't reflect that. God will often use the circumstances of our lives to refine our hearts, to discipline us, to grow us, to mature us. We have the option, you and I have the option of listening, applying it, allowing our hearts to be changed to reflect his heart, or we can ignore God. We can ignore the call. We can run. God will save us, and then we can ignore it again. And then we can maybe do something half-heartedly, and we can see God work through it, and we can still ignore it, just like Jonah, if we are not careful. If God is trying to get your attention and I believe that he is, that it's time to, to link up your heart with his heart so that your heart can become more like his. I mean, really, this story of Jonah, it's tragic. It's tragic for the prophet. We don't know what happened after this. But we have to be careful because you and I We do have a lot in common with Jonah. And like I pointed to at the beginning, I I am Jonah if I'm not careful. I am Jonah, but I don't have to be. And that's my prayer for you today is that your, your heart will be changed. 
that your heart will be changed by this story, that you will be a person that allows God's discipline to change you into the man or woman that he wants you to become.